0: here amen we we appreciate your appreciation you guys are awesome. It's a great church, great place to be. We're excited about what God's doing, amen? Hey, if you're here today and you don't own a Bible, if you hold your hand up, the Ushers will bring you one. It's our gift to you. We want to make sure everybody's got a copy of the Word of God. You got to get in the book. You got to study God's Word. You got to know God's Word. Isaiah said you'll hear a word behind thee saying, this is the way, walk in it when you turn to the left or the right. God wants to direct your life. He wants to get you positioned to win and succeed in every given situation. How's he gonna do it? Through his word. If you're not in the word of God, if the only word you got is Jesus wept. That's your memory verse. You're in deep yogurt already. You gotta have some Bible. You gotta have something that you're believing God for to birth inside of you. And and you know, I don't know if you guys get it. The word Rhema is one of the Greek words for word. It's God's spoken word. It's an inspired word. It's not just a word on a piece of paper, but it is, it's, it's a word that's got life in it. You know, my father, in uh, 1980, was sitting in a chair. He'd been through chemo. He'd been through radiation. His heart was burnt in half. Uh, he had cancer all throughout his body. He had tubes up his nose to feed him. He was weak. He couldn't stand. He was on his, you know, call the family. You're, you're going to go home to be with Jesus. He sat in a chair and started reading God's word, got to Proverbs 4. He read a chapter of Proverbs every day of the month. And, and if you if you read a chapter of Proverbs every day, you'll go through the book of Proverbs every month. And he was on the Fourth chapter, and he got down to verse 20. My son, attend unto my words, hearken unto my sayings, don't let them depart from thine eyes, for they are life to those that find them, and health to all their flesh. And that verse caught his interest, and he started reading it over and over and over. And the more he read it, the more it came alive inside of him. And finally, he called out to my mother and said, Velma. I'm healed. And she said, that's good, Clayton. And she just kept doing whatever she was doing. And, uh, uh, but to make a long story short, the, that word came alive inside of him. And, he, and seriously, he got up out of that chair. He planted more churches. He released people into ministry. 20 years later, when he went home to be with the Lord, had nothing to do with cancer. And, and at his funeral, it was massively packed out. And 90% of the people in the room hadn't even met him till after he had been sent home to die God has a hope and a future for you and his word will position you to connect to that but without his word you're on your own and trust me on your own according to King James you sucketh so get get the word of God look at your neighbor and say that was for you amen who would you stand with me one more time get your Bible in your hand we're going to make a confession together lift your Bible up there there say this is my Bible I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. Say, I will do what this says I can do. Say, I have an open mind. I have a teachable spirit. From this moment forward, say, I'll never be the same. Shout it out, never, never, never. In Jesus' name. Come on, give God one more big praise. He's worth it amen guys just want to encourage you you know what we got over 300 tickets out 340 or 50 tickets out for tonight's event place is going to be packed with men the presence of god's going to show up i got a word that's just going to be i'm excited can't wait it's going to be fun to shoot at todd todd said he'd be a target um we're we're going to just uh you didn't say that right uh i'm I'm sporting the men's ministry new t-shirt you can pick these up tonight uh but I, I, just, I just want to really encourage you, uh, man, get excited about what God's doing, not, not just today, not, not just in the house, but what he's doing in your life, what he's doing in your house, what he's doing uh, you know, in your future. God has a hope and a future for you, a hope and and a future for you 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 know something that i find really interesting doing three services every weekend is that each service there is a different dynamic there's a different draw there's a different anointing in the service and this morning something inside of me in this service is just wanting to scream at you that god's plan for you rocks you want god life John 10 10 Jesus said I've come that you might have and enjoy abundant life life in abundance to the top till it overflows we're talking about a life that's bigger than the problems you've got we're talking about a hope that's greater than the depression that's trying to attach itself to you we're talking about health and healing that's stronger than any sickness or disease we're talking God life eternal life. Actually, the phrase eternal life comes from that word life in John 10, 10, It's the Greek word zoe. It's God's life or eternal life. Eternal life does not start when you die. Well, I thought if I get born again, then someday I'm going to go to heaven. Yeah, but that ain't it. That's not all of it. You know, if it was just you get born again and then zoop, you, you go off to heaven, we should kill you. I mean, if you're not going to demonstrate God life now, you ought to die. There, there, there is something about uh, just taking up space, I don't think was God's intention. I don't think God sent his son Jesus to come down and to crush the power of the enemy so that you could suck up oxygen till Jesus comes. No, it's, there, there's a life that God wants to connect you to. He doesn't want to be a band-aid to your hurt. And I realize that you might be wounded. You might be bleeding. You, but, and God will, God will deal with that for you. But it, that's not it. See, I, I think we got to be careful that we don't miss out on the greatest part of life that God wants to connect us to. The greatest part of life. So many people live without ever knowing real life. Man, they just get up and go to work and get busy and stay distracted. But God has a real purpose, a real destiny, a real hope, a real plan. He came to give you real life, real joy, real peace, real vision, real direction. And we end up somewhere in life settling for so much less than God's best. Let's talk about fish tank theology. Have you ever sat and looked at a nice fish tank? All the fish and the rocks and the bubbles and everything's cool. You know, when you buy a fish tank, they are awesome for about three weeks. They're really cool for three weeks. Then you need to put it on Craigslist because it's a lot of work. It's a lot of work. Anybody got fish? Not anymore. (laughs) Smart. Wisdom's flowing. Revelation's coming to you right now sprinkle the food the fish come to the top they eat the food find somebody that hasn't wrapped their brain around the effort that caring for a fish tank requires visit their home after six months of fish tank neglect look at the bottom of the tank it ain't pretty down there here's fish tank theology You do not want to settle. Some of us in life have settled instead of risen. God wants us to rise to a new level, to come up. God is literally taking us from, I think the Bible says, from glory unto glory. From manifested presence to manifested presence to demonstration of victory, to demonstration of victory. Life is supposed to be on the upswing. You're not supposed to be settling. We've settled for an existence that's very difficult to differentiate between a believer and a non-believer. The only difference is where we hang out on the weekend. They, They go to a bar to medicate their pain. You come to church. We haven't searched for true repentance. We've looked for some relief. We want God to fix our wounds, to heal our owie, to make us feel better. God wants to go way beyond that. And I'm not suggesting that he doesn't care about your wound. I'm telling you that that's thinking too little. That that's settling. That if I can just learn to get along with my mother-in-law, then Jesus is alive. (laughs) What a low-level existence that is. Man, we are, we are so messed up. You know people that have so much trauma, so much drama leaking out of them. Just consider what kind of mess they are on the inside. All you're seeing is the stuff that leaks out. And God's trying to get on the inside and refresh and renew and restore and revive and pump life into, the, into us. And, and here we are settling for so much less. But see, the deal is, is that the God life that he wants to connect you to isn't easy I, I think it's funny, you know, uh, and and usually, you know, at a at a at a man event, you know, one, one of our one of our desires is to demonstrate that men love God, real men. That would be a great place, gentlemen, to say Amen. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you know, uh, I, I realize that there's a lot of men out this morning, and they'll be back tonight. They're trying to kill something today, and 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 you know they're hunting and they're searching and they're going through the woods and they're doing everything they can to bring back a big rack so that they can come tonight and brag. They'll come back with their tail between their legs and a picture of Bambi running away or something. And uh, but to be a, to be a man of God, you know that. He, you, you got to be strong. You, you, you got to have a backbone to face the storm, to go get the gold that God's created you to carry. You, you know, this sissified Christianity, it, it, it's fake. It's not real. You, you got to have something, you know, just to, be, just to be a man of God. It's not easy. I wish it was easy. I wish we could raise our hand, pray a sinner's prayer, buy a t-shirt, get a bumper sticker, and life suddenly became glorious. I, I know a lot of us that were under the impression that if Benny would blow, if if Joyce would fuss, if Joel would smile, we'd have a breakthrough. But you wouldn't. It's gonna take more than a bigger tambourine and a longer streamer. It it, it it's a real explosion of God in your life. Did you notice when you started school you were in kindergarten and they had those little blocks that went around the top of the wall remember they went all the way around the room 26 of them and they went a to z and when if you think back you walk in there and now you know most of us in the room most of us know our abcs we we've got a grip on it we've wrapped our brain around it but and it's really simple but when you first walked in that room the thing that was so simple was so difficult learning the ABCs. I don't know about you, but I like to, you know, build memorials and remember every victory I've had. So I can remember how excited I was when I learned my ABCs. Just a few days ago, I got it down. And uh, in in kindergarten, remember, to make it easier, to make it more approachable, they even put it in a song to help you learn it. Because you're sitting there and you're looking all the way around the room. And I got, not only do I have to learn them, I got to get them in order it's important that i get them in order look at somebody and say it's important that you get it in order so they come up with a catchy tune and they teach you the song you ready you know the song A B C D E F G H I J K L M. everybody q r s t u we got it w x y and z now I know my ABCs. Won't you come and play with me? Hercules! You finally get it. The thing that was so difficult now is easy. Then the teacher walks out, and she mixes it up again. And she reaches over here, and she takes a C, and she puts it there, and she goes in the front, and gets the A, and brings it here, and she reaches way back there, and gets a T, and puts it here. Okay, now the thing... That became simple is now difficult again. K, a, t, k, a, t. Weeks. K, a, t, k, a, t. And you finally get it. K, a, t. She smiles, gives you a star, and messes it up again. Takes a D there, puts it there, reaches way down, gets the O, brings it over here, brings a G down, puts it there. finally after much work effort you start figuring it out it's simple but at first it's difficult but when it becomes easy she mixed it up again now she's got a bunch of those things in a line It took me forever to get them in order. Now they've disrupted the order. They've mixed them up. They've separated them. They've put them in piles. And now I'm supposed to see the dog run. (laughs) If you ever get that, they start throwing in exclamation points and commas. And they do everything they can. Then they want paragraphs. And then they want it to make sense. remember one time when our when our oldest son had written a paper for school and we were going to the parent teacher conference and i walked in and she handed me his paper she's so excited because he was doing so well and they, she had me read this thing that he had this a plus on and i read it and it said me myself and i we think that this and she went on and on and it was gibberish and he had an a plus and i said excuse me this is horrible And, oh, it's just that he has the context of the flow and he's understanding this thing. And I'm like, this ain't going to work. This is bad. It's not even English. (laughs) They've gone and mixed it up again. Because what makes sense to us, they're teaching in a different way, so now it doesn't make any more sense. That's the way spiritual life is. At first it was easy. Then you get the handle of that, and God comes along and mixes it up remember when you first got saved you had within 72 hours you had already had four answered prayers you'd raised the dead people that you hated suddenly loved you all of a sudden you grow through that stage and God takes you up to another one and he mixes it up and what's so simple is so difficult Learning to let God lead you, guide you, and direct you isn't easy. You know, in in your Bible, we'll put it up, Matthew 16, 24, Jesus makes such a simple statement. If anyone desires to be my disciple, let him deny himself, take up his cross, follow me how many of you realize that when you decided to follow jesus he hadn't disclosed that he was a gypsy you didn't know that every time you got somewhere he was going to lead you somewhere else if anyone desires to be my disciple sounds so simple but it's so difficult what is your desire think about your passion your desire what are you really hunting for are you out hunting searching are you investing you you must be you get up every day of your life you find something to do you you trade your life for money money comes money's not ink on paper it's a chunk of your life it represents your life you've traded your life for that so that you can use your life to get other things that will fulfill your desires. Jesus said, greater love hath no man than this, that he would lay down his life for his friends. That's why offering time is so powerful. You're not putting money in the bucket, you're putting your life in there. This is your life. What are you pursuing with all of your passion? What are you after? You know, a lot of us, we don't even have a clue. We've settled to just be like everybody else. We don't even want some of the stuff we're striving to get. We're just trying to keep up with people we don't like. <laughs> Come on now, you know I'm telling you the truth. You really don't care about the size of the house or the kind of car, the, but you, somebody else has one, you've got to get one too. Remember when you were in high school and you'd spend 45 minutes every day getting ready to go to school to impress people that you didn't care for? The, now today, you look back and you can't even remember what their names were. We're so distracted, so busy, so caught up with life. Jesus said, what's your desire? What's your desire? What are you really after? You know, my life, it's uh, it's amazing because, you know, you would think that my desire is to build a congregation. You know, my desire is to build one life. This one. Guys, I got to tell you something. I got my hands full. Dude, I got my hands full. I've been in church most of my life, and I'm, I'm learning that most of the stuff that was really important, that was really vital, doesn't matter. And a lot of the stuff that we invested all that time and study and effort in, into, into learning was actually separating us from God's real plan, from his real purpose, from his real desire. I'm learning that it's a full-time job, for me to press in and be a follower of Christ, can I can I just be transparent? I lied to the other congregations. You know, can, can I just tell you the truth? It isn't easy. You know, I find myself, I told you the story that I got in the car with the boys and I was going to teach them a lesson without words. I decided I'm going to train them without words and and it's when it was really snowy and icy and and I'm going to be careful going into traffic and I'm going to wait and be patient because it's not like me and they'll notice. And, and, and I won't have to say anything, but with so many young drivers in the car, it's just my golden opportunity to show them how to, how to drive. And, and, and I sat there and waited, and the opening came, and I could have got on it and got out there, but the, it's icy. I'm going to wait. And, and as I waited, the car behind me honked their horn. And without thought, I was standing next to their window knocking on it. And I asked this question, need something? And on my way back to the car, I realized I had taught my boys a lesson without saying words. You know, I got a full-time job just staying a Christian. Loving my neighbor, it's not easy for me. You know, letting God have his way in my life. No, I want to stand up every day and say, this is my life. And then he brings things into the environment that make it a challenge. You come. <laughs> and I love you most of the time. You know what I'm saying? There's people in your life that stretch you, that, that, that motivate you to prayer. <laughs> Wouldn't pray at all if it wasn't for you people. <laughs> what should be so simple can be so difficult. Then you run across a scripture, Daniel eleven thirty two: The people that know their God shall be strong and do great exploits. And I got to tell you, that sounds good to me. Be strong and do great exploits the people who know their God shall be strong and do great exploits man that's an awesome verse be strong do great exploits I'll share with you that a great thing really all a great thing is is a bunch of little things put together would you like to do something great for God then you have to be willing to do the little thing would you like to have a great marriage? That's awesome. Then you've got to do the little things in the marriage to have a great marriage. Would you like to have great finances? Cool. All you got to do is take care of the little things in money, and you're going to have great financial wealth. Would you like to have great health? you got to do the little things to take care of your body. It's the little things. That's not my message. That's like next week or something. Daniel 11.32, the people that know their God shall be strong and do great exploits. I love that verse. Be strong, do Great things. Be strong. Ephesians six ten. Finally, brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Strength is a commandment. If strength is a commandment, then weakness is a sin. So, I want to be strong. The people who know their God shall be strong and do great things. I'm going to be strong and I'm going to do great things. James says, Be a doer of the word, not a hearer only. For if you're a hearer only and not a doer of the word, you've deceived yourself. So, I want to do great things. The people who know their God shall be strong and do great things. I'm going to get strong and I'm going to do great stuff. And I missed the purpose of the whole verse because it says, The people who know their God. And we get so distracted by strength and doing that we forget to know God. Oh, you know about God, but do you know God? See, we have an enemy that strategizes very effectively to separate us from God. We love God, just not as much as we love us. Now, this might sound harsh to you, but can, it, can we just be real? Can I just tell you the truth today? that where we struggle is in relationship with God. We say we know him, we know about him. We've read about him. We've heard about him. We've felt his presence a few times. We've had goosebumps or our hair stood up or we've seen a feather floating off someplace. But really knowing God, what it is to let God in to every nook and cranny of our life. Man. From the days of John the Baptist... Until now, Matthew eleven twelve. 12. The kingdom of heaven suffereth violence. The violent take it by force. There's something about that. That's a man verse right there, guys. The violent take it by force. There's something about getting up backbone and facing your devil and chasing him down and kicking devil booty. But that verse comes from a passage in Micah. It was a picture that Micah painted in chapter 2. I want to put verse 12 and 13 up for you. Look at this. Micah two twelve. he said this. He said, I'm going to gather all of you. I will surely collect the remnant of Israel. I'll bring them together like sheep in a fold, like flock in the midst of their pasture. They, the fold and the pasture, shall swarm with men and hum with much noise. There's excitement in the air. Look at verse 13. For the breaker, the Messiah, will go up before them, and they will break through, pass in through the gate, and go out through it, and their king will pass on before him, them the Lord at their head. Uh, we, the terminology, you know, church language, breakthrough. Everybody wants breakthrough. This is where that term comes from. Breakthrough. It's talking about the excitement, the noise, the, the, the sheep, the gate. What they would do in, in this day is that they'd build a rock wall that would separate the sheep and put them and isolate them in a certain area of pasture. And matter of fact, when they didn't close it off, sometimes they'd leave a small opening and that's where the shepherd would sleep. When Jesus said in John chapter 10 that I am the gate to come in and go out, you gotta go through me. That's what he's talking about. He's the shepherd and he's the gate. But often they would fill the wall all the way in. And when it came time to move the sheep into a new environment, the shepherd would get inside that container and he'd go and he'd begin to physically tear that wall down. And the sheep would instantly recognize a season of change and they'd get excited and they'd jump up and down and they'd you'd hear the bleeding of the sheep and they would be jumping on each other and pressing in and they'd press up against the shepherd so much that he'd have to push back against the sheep to continue to tear down the wall. And that's what Mike is talking about, is the breaker will go up before them. See, we want breakthrough, we want freedom, but we've been throwing ourselves against a rock wall. You don't get breakthrough by throwing yourself against the wall, you get breakthrough by pressing into the shepherd. And where God's taking you is to a season of life where it requires more than faith. but it also requires trust. Faith and trust are two active ingredients, kind of like Mentos and Diet Coke. Have you ever dropped Mentos into the Diet Coke and poof, these guys have. They're like, yeah, let's do it, do it, do it. It's really crazy. Drop one Mento in, you get a little explosion. Drop 10 in, you get a big one. The more faith you have, the more trust you have, the greater the response, the greater the reaction. If you have faith and you have trust and they're separated, they're good. They have their value, but nothing like what can happen when you put them together. See, we become faith people. We get into the word. We know God's word, but it still isn't as productive as what happens when you mix trust. So the enemy and his strategy does everything he can to separate you from to a place so that you can't really trust God. You think you do. Here's what's crazy, is that we are under the impression that we really trust God. We make uneducated statements. God is in control. God is only in control in the arenas of life that you've totally surrendered. God cannot control that which you will not release. We say God's in control. What that really means is, He's going to have to do it himself. Because I don't trust him to do it for him. Well, if God wants me to witness, he'll just have to come upon me and move me to do that. Well, no, if you were really obedient, you'd be salt and light. It's quiet. We find ourselves contained. You know the difference between bondage and captivity? Bondage is physical, metal bars. Captivity is environmental, social, mental bars. Jesus said, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me, Luke 4.18. He said, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel, to mend the broken heart, to open the doors to the captives. Jesus came to release you from the prison of captivity, the the way we think. Romans 12, 1 and 2, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your body a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. God came to transform you by changing the way you think. See, we are held in a system of logic and reason. And God's trying to move us to a system of faith and trust. Logic and reason, logic and reason, it contains us, it holds us in. Our captivity, there's four walls that we have erected that separate us from God: it's coins, clocks, calendars, and circumstances. And logic and reason rule in coins, clocks, calendars, and circumstances think about it how many of your decisions are based upon money jesus said himself you can't serve god and money well god knows i need money right the bible says take no thought for tomorrow what you should eat what you should drink what you should put on But God's going to take care of tomorrow. God's going to supply for you. He talks about the flowers of the field. Look at them. And and, and Solomon, all his splendor was not arrayed like one of these. You know, flowers are taking over the world. Without any effort of their own, they're just taking over the world. They're growing everywhere. And we think that we can't handle life if we trust God because we need money. We're going to have to figure out how to make more money. Can't do what God told us to do, can't afford it. Can't do what God told us to do, don't have the money. Can't do this because of the money. My money's spent before I get it, and so when I get it, God can't even tell me what to do with it because I spent it already. What do you think? And guys, just let, 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 let me just rant for a minute because it, 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 my, my point really isn't to get you debt-free today, but what do you think debt does? Debt reaches into your future and pulls it into your present so that when you get to the future, all you've got is a past because you can't afford to have a present. You can't obey God. can't afford to. There's a wall up. Clocks. Interesting. We want God to move, but he's going to have to do it in an hour and a half on Sunday because the rest of my time is spoken for. I can't obey God because what he wants me to do is during a time that I can't do. I can't do it Thursdays at 8. That's Survivor. How does he know that? Todd told me. (laughs) Calendars. We have things in our calendar years in advance. We worked for months to go to Disney World. When was the last time you planned a season where you could press into the shepherd? circumstances I think we all could testify we've all had circumstances we use it as an excuse to not do what God wants all the time remember the disciples they came to Jesus and they said hey Jesus Jesus come on give us a break how how long do we got to put up with Darren we we just want to beat the tar out of Darren do we have to forgive Darren and Jesus says yeah you know what here's how many times you got to forgive Darren seven times 70 times every day and by the way, if you get to counting, those first ones didn't work. Immediately, all the disciples said, increase our faith. They said, you mean to, to walk with you? We've got to have a spirit of forgiveness. And Jesus said, that's, that's the ticket, guys. Want to be a disciple? You've got a desire to be a disciple? You're going to have to walk in forgiveness. Well, you don't understand my circumstances. You don't understand what they've said. You don't understand what they've done. You don't understand how they've treated me. You don't understand how that felt. You don't, and now your circumstances are a wall that separates you from your ability to just trust God and to obey God. Now, without the trust, the faith doesn't get any reaction. See, the logic and reason separating you from the explosion of true God life that God wants to produce in your world take the story of jesus here comes a man born of a virgin he grows up he gets strong he lives life he is uh, beaten and spat upon scourged he's uh, put in prison he walks up a hill carrying a cross they nail him to the cross he dies they put him in a tomb the stones rolled away he's raised from the dead he ascends on high and he's seated in heavenly places and what is the symbol of the church universal the cross now the cross is awesome but the story doesn't stop at the cross so here we have the church trying to minister to suffering humanity from the cross but the problem is is that authority is when you're seated in the heavenly places yeah but see logic and reason can see the man can see the life can can see him walking up the hill can see him being nailed to the tree can see him put in the grave but resurrection see that's crossing that line of reason problem is is that if jesus wasn't resurrected you won't be either we, it takes another step to, to see him ascended on high. But if he hasn't ascended, you won't be raised up in the air either. And, and to see him seated in the heavenly places, man, that's a stretch for this mortal mind of mine. But if he's not seated there, then I'm not seated in Christ in the heavenlies. So I don't have any authority either. So here I am trying to minister to suffering humanity from the cross with no authority. Well, the power is in my authority. So I've got to be willing to cross the line of logic and reason if I don't cross the line I miss the combination of faith and trust I gotta trust that when I do what he said he can produce what he promised every single time I gotta trust that he is bigger than my level of understanding I gotta trust that when I simply obey him he is gonna come through for me and produce for me and things that are beyond me are actually gonna occur for me I gotta get into trust how do i increase my trust there's only one way relationship the only way to increase your level of trust is through relationship so if we can keep you thinking you know god when you don't know god you'll think you have relationship but then when you're placed in hot water what's really in you comes out remember teabag christianity you can staple any tag you want to it, but when you put it in the hot water, we know if it's Earl Grey or not. <laughs> is that orange blossom? It says it is. You put it in there. That's not orange blossom. That's cinnamon toast. Many of us have gotten a different label, but still, what's on the inside? It's not the real deal. Hello? i got to have real relationship to have true trust I can't obey God if I don't trust him see I can't forgive you if I don't believe that God's going to heal me I can't I can't go into my future if I don't believe and trust that God is going to be there to meet me I can read no weapon formed against me shall prosper but if I don't trust him all I'm going to see is every weapon that's been formed against me I can have my t shirt and my bumper sticker, but live just like I'm lost. That's the life of someone who's settled. You're inside the Rock wall. You're tired of throwing yourself up against a rock wall. So you begin to jump in the excitement. You, you jump and you look over the wall and you see your future. And there it is. There's the pasture. There it is. And, and you talk it and, and you sing it and, and, and you tell about it and you write a book. But after a while, your legs give out. Because every time I go up against the wall, I get hurt again. My level of trust has gone down a notch. You don't know how many people have said, I've tried faith and it didn't work. No, faith tried you and found you lacking. The problem isn't your faith. The problem is your level of trust. Because when it doesn't go the way you think it should, when you think it should, how you think it should, for as long as you think it should, you back away. That's the enemy's strategy to deflate your trust. Because God don't do anything the way you think he should. It doesn't make sense. It's beyond reason. David, a little shepherd boy, is going to take on a giant. What should I use? Take some rocks. Peter, a lifelong fisherman, out at sea in a boat. What should I do? Get out of the boat. A nation walking around a walled city, going to go in and possess the land. How do, we, how do we take the walls down? Walk around for seven days and don't say a word. Well, that don't make no sense. You do realize that the miracle at Jericho was not the fact that the walls came down. The miracle at Jericho was that people who had spent 40 years in the wilderness for murmuring kept their mouths shut for seven whole days. Guys, that's a miracle. i got to tell you something. Can you imagine what would happen in your life, how many walls would come down in your world if you just didn't complain for 40 days? Some of you, that means you ain't saying nothing for 40 days. <laughs> Jesus wants to release us from the captivity that separates us from the provision of God's promise. I said, Jesus wants to release you from the captivity that separates you from the provision of God's promise. That's why he came. That's one of the things I think is so awesome. Jesus said, the Spirit of God is upon me. He's anointed me to preach the gospel. Good good news. You know, just a side note, you know the word gospel is not a religious term. It it was actually a slang word, gospel. And and, and in the the early days of the church, before the church was actually the church, in the early days, gospel meant, cool. I got a raise. Gospel. My wife and I are still married. Gospel. My mother-in-law went home. (laughs) Dangerous. Danger, danger. (laughs) Gospel, to preach the good news. The Spirit of God, the anointing is on me, Jesus. I'm anointed of God to do something really cool. Mend broken hearts. And open prison doors and set the captive free. Jesus said, I'm here right now to liberate you from the walls that separate you from your ability to trust God? Are you going to let him do it? Are you going to tap into that anointing? Are you going to let the anointing flow in your life? Will you let him change you? Are you going to settle for a Christian experience that's common to our cultural society? I just, I just, have you seen those commercials in the little kids when I grow up? You know, I just want to rob a bank. I just want to lie, cheat, and steal. I just want to fail. Have you seen those commercials? They're on TV and, and, and you know, it's all the things that you don't want to hear your kids say that you wouldn't accept from them. I think we ought to make one for the church. I just want to be an attender. I just want to sing songs I like. I just want to come to events and not actually have to participate in them. Where's my little flashlight? Yes. I want to go to a church that does great things, but I don't even want to do the little things. You gonna settle? Well don't forget. That's just a bunch of crap. God didn't send his son Jesus so you could settle to the bottom of the tank. God didn't send his son so that you could just cave in, give up, and quit. He came to rescue you, to pick you up out of the miry clay, to put your feet on a rock, put a new song, even praise unto God in your mouth. He came to make a difference in you so you could make a difference in your world. Don't you dare settle. Don't you dare give up because of coins. Can't afford it, really. Don't you dare give in because your calendar's too busy. You haven't got enough time or the circumstances are too tough. You tap into the anointing that has the ability to set the captive free. You get the real God life that he came to produce in you. You press into the shepherd. That word know in Daniel 11, the people that know their God, it's the word yada, Hebrew word yada, Y-A-D-A. It means to be intimate, to be entangled with, to be interwoven, to be welded to. God wants you to have intimate, relevant relationship with him. Would you like breakthrough in your marriage? Would you like breakthrough on the job? Would you like breakthrough in your physical body? You don't, don't, don't search for healing, find the healer. Don't search for provision. Find the provider. Don't search for a little chunk of hope. Find the prince of peace and press in to him. Practice his presence in your life every day. Don't go another day that, that Cheerios has a higher priority level than Jesus does. I think most of us could Handle missing a meal. Some of us could miss a bunch of them. We'd be okay. Maybe a little grumpy. We'd be okay. Find time to connect to God. Press into the shepherd. Because he's tearing your walls down. Amen? Will you close your book? Let me pray for you. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes?